When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome back to Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter-Scott, joined as always Courtside by Gabe Ibrahim. And wow, Gabe, uh, every week gets better and better in terms of the drama, the excitement, the celebrations, but also the pauses that are happening in the game because of COVID. But I love what we've seen so far mm-hmm. in so many different ways in the game. And I see you have your orange hoodie on, Gabe, today. So you're ready to go courtside. Yes. Yeah, I got my orange hoodie on. The fashion statement of the year. Of course, this is this is a non-visual medium. So no one listening to this like, can see me. But I am wearing my orange WNBA hoodie. Uh, I th- who said that? I think that was Sports Business Journal. Um, it was. Yeah, said so it was a fashion statement of the year. And, you know, I feel I pretty fashionable. It with it yeah it's it's very chic i love it yeah. <laughs> and it goes it goes with all of my other stuff which is mainly nba and wmba gear like i'm wearing it with my miami heat hat <laughs> yes Perfect you accent. are i love it <laughs> the balance is awesome very yeah. sweet very awesome but wow let's where do we start gabe i'm gonna let you start uh, we have so many different ways to go with our <laughs> conversation today but We'll, we'll let you get us going with, with what you want to talk about first. Well, I think, I think the place to start is at the top of the wins list in women's basketball history, Tara Vanderveer. Uh, 1,099 wins that she got last night with a 104-61 victory over Pacific. She passes the great Pat Summit. Um, of course, I mean, they, they, whenever you pass Pat Summit in anything in yeah. this sport, yeah. that's – a huge deal and when you pass her on the wins list i mean that's something that is um is extremely special and you know you watched you watched all of the game last night i kind I of did. uh i checked out at points because it was it got it got rough for pacific yeah, it was, it was. um which no shade to pacific they're playing the number one team in the country on the yeah. day that was very important to that number one team but what i want to ask you christy is did you ever run into pat summit or tar vanderveer and, and kind of what have you uh, gotten from them as someone who's been a part of this, uh, of this game for so long? Yeah, no question. I mean, how about Tara, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just with the overall sustainment of excellence, I mean, it's just, I mean, you, it can't be overstated. And I just think that, mm-hmm. you know, we never played Stanford when I was at Maryland or anything, but, you know, I always knew Stanford. I mean, they won the championship mm-hmm. my senior year. So I, I'm always connected with them because of that too, because, you know, that was my senior year, but 
but even with that, you know, Jennifer Az, I played against Jennifer Az uh, in AAU. She played for the Tennessee Stars, and then she went on to to go to Stanford, and then we ended up playing against each other in Italy. And mm -hmm. you know, that was my first pro game was against um, Jennifer Az's team over there. So, you know, there's always been a Stanford <laughs> uh, piece of of history when it when it comes to me, but when it when it came to like actually meeting Tara during that time, no, but I actually did um, get to call some Stanford games, you know, when, when they came back to Ohio state a couple of years ago, I had that game in, um, in Columbus. And that was really great because we, she got really nostalgic about walking into the, the arena and haven't, she hadn't been there in so long and and we showed the picture of her from you know back when she was the the coach at ohio state and just kind of where it all started and and what's happened since then so she got really um reflective and and that was just awesome just to have that that conversation with her during um, shooting practice but um to call a stanford game is always a treat because you know me, I'm always just looking at the X's and O's and the, mm -hmm. the tactical side of the game, as well as watching it and, and trying to break it down, but always learning. And I think when you're watching a, a Tara Vanderveer coach team, you're always going to learn something new. And mm -hmm. the fact that she credits Pat Summit for the way that she has been able to teach the game is just what it's all about. And, you know, we did play Tennessee uh, a couple times uh, when I was at Maryland, one time at College Park, another time in, in the final four, my junior season. And, you know, you just kind of, when you're in that moment, you just kind of take for granted, I guess, that you have two gatekeepers and Chris Weller and Pat Summit on the sidelines. Yeah. But now, retrospectively, looking back now that Coach Weller has retired and now that unfortunately we've lost uh, Pat Summit uh, four years ago, I just think that for me, you know, looking back at that now, what a time, right? And how exciting mm -hmm. uh, that was, the challenge of that moment. And, you know, years later to be able to, to call a Tennessee game and, you know, a couple games. And actually almost, I think it was the last season that Pat Summit was coaching and she was at UVA. And I caught her on the way out to the bus, Gabe. And, you know, I just told her, thank you, you know. And mm -hmm. they didn't play the, the way they wanted to. And, you know, you could tell that she wasn't quite right, but she was still standing in the gap for her, her players. And, you know, I, I was going out the back there, you know, and the bus was getting loaded. And I said, Pat, I just wanted to say thank you, you know, for everything that you've done for the game and, you know, the seeds that you planted for future successes in the game and, and everything. She said, well, I appreciate that and all that. Oh, my gosh. You're going to make me start crying. <laughs> but it was, I mean, she was just like that, you know, approachable, but, you know, always just um, appreciative of her role in the game and, and mm -hmm. wanting the best for it and, and a why not mentality when it comes to, you know, the, the platform, the media exposure, you know, and for Tara Vandeveer to have coached the Olympic team in 96. And then right after that, all those players headed to the WNBA and, and what the WNBA has become. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you said you're wearing the hoodie and it's just, you know, it just all comes together. You know, the history of the game, the deep rooted sacrifices that were made early on. I mean, and how it, it's paid dividends, but you know, there's no end there's no finish line for that. But the fact that the game has just grown leaps and bounds and it's continuing to evolve, I think it just speaks volumes to the foundation and the strength of the foundation that both Pat Summit and Tara, Veer, Tara Vanderveer have laid for, for our game. And I just think it's beautiful. And just the fact that, you know, the first thing out of Tara's mouth was, you know, Pat's looking down and she's proud. And, I mean, that, that to me was what it was all about when she yeah. surpassed Pat. It, it, it was emotional. I mean, you know, and I'm not, I obviously haven't been around the game as long as you have. I haven't really um, been, been deep into the women's game for, for that long either. But, you know, growing up, I mean, Pat Summit was this sport for yeah. me. Like, you know, that was the person I knew when, when, when we talked about when women's basketball came up, yeah. Pat was a person that you immediately go to. And now, um, I wonder how many how many kids growing up now are going to be yeah. thinking that way about Tara. Yeah, and I think you know the thing that I really love about um, ta uh, Tara and Pat and Gina, like you, I think I, I, people say this all the time. Like the best coaches, or or in my case, you know, I'm not I'm not a 
and athletes. So the best professors are the people who teach you more about yourself and yes. life than whatever they're actually teaching you about. There you go. I think Tara really, you know, fits into that mold. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people have so many stories about her. Um, and I tried to find some this morning. I found a really, really good Sally Jenkins piece from the 2008 final, uh, final four, where it was Tennessee and Stanford. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, one of the things that really caught my eye was, well, I think t- the story that Tara has been practicing her piano and, and yes. picked up piano as a coach, which yes. to me is insane. I don't know how you have the kind of time yeah. and to patience. just say, oh, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, time and patience to learn, say, I'm going to learn how to play classical right. piano and get really good at it. Yeah. Um, but, but I love, like, there's this, just this one little detail. Well, two that I want to bring up. First off, she did one time send uh, Pat Summit a CD of her playing the piano. entitled joy it's just like one of those things like that's just really cute you know like that's something that like that shows your that shows your character um but then the other thing was that she she makes her players listen to symphonies sometimes Mm -hmm. and to pick out you know the individual parts right i found that to be so cool because that's that's like not only that's a great lesson um in basketball because obviously a symphony is something that exactly everyone kind of goes on their own and then they come together and create something beautiful. And yes. the same thing that happens at basketball. There's, yep. there's space for individual um, greatness within the sort of team concept. But then yes. there's also just like, that's such a neat way to, tr- to try to teach that lesson to your players. And especially when you're at school like Stanford. Yeah. That, that you're getting, the, the quality of kids you're getting at Stanford, it is someone who may be interested in that symphony and you're exposing them to that. Yep. world. I don't know. I just, I, all the stories you find about her are her being um, an educator first and then a coach. I think yes. you can say that about a lot of different coaches, including yeah. Pat Summit. Yeah. Um, but I did want to talk about her as a coach really quick because there's some insane stuff. Yeah. Uh, so do you know the last time that Stanford failed to reach the Sweet 16? Oh man. I think, I think they've always been in the Sweet 16. Am I wrong? The last time it didn't happen, she so she's made the Sweet 16 in 25 of her 36 seasons. Yeah, I was gonna say it's um, like a mainstay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they and they and most of the time, most of those that she failed to get were at the beginning of her run in Stanford, and then when she came back from the Olympic te- uh, from the USA team. Yes. So last time she didn't make it to the Sweet 16 or further was in 2006, 2007. Wow. That's why I'm like, it has not been recent. I knew that. (laughs) And there must have been injuries or something that year because, listen, she knows how to win. And the fact that you said that, you know, you want to find out more about yourself. You know, she said, even though she had played against Pat Summit's um, Tennessee squads 27, 28 times, I think Tennessee won 22 of them or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she said, even though, we didn't win the majority of those games. We learned so much about our team. And I mm-hmm. thought that spoke volumes in terms of respect for Pat Summit, but also it spoke volumes about her humility and, you know, her, her generosity of, of the way that she's been able to teach the game, you know? So it's not like she's not going to pound you for, yes, we could have done several things differently. And, and yes, we could have done a little bit better in, in these areas, but at the end of the day, these are the things that are going to make us better. These are the things that are going to propel us and, and lift us up. So, you know, there's always a way to, to paint a picture. And I think for her to paint it like a symphony, like you said, mm-hmm. I think that just speaks volumes for her character as a coach and as a woman and to continue to empower her team in that regard. I just think that that's so impressive and, you know, just a, a ton of respect for, for that approach. Yeah, and you, I think you can see it also in the players that they coach, right? Um, I want to say Brady Klopp. Yeah, Brady Klopfer had a really nice article about Pat. I want to say two years ago in the Ringer about how her, how the the players in the WNBA now are carrying on the legacy of Pat Summit. Yeah. Um, you know, Candace Parker, Gloria Johnson. There, there's a few. There's a few of them. I think there's four left. Um, and you see that same thing happening with Sanford players. I mean, Neka Gumake. Is there more, is there a better example in our game of someone that, you know, is not just about the basketball, is yeah. not just about what's happening on the court, yeah. but is doing so much more for so many other people and taking charge of, of you know, her message and then trying to uh, empower other people in the same way. So I think when you see, when you see players that come out of a program 
and are away and, and act a certain way, that's the best reflection of the coach. Because yes. when you're in the program, I think it's a little different. Of you, course. You're a little bit more controlled in there. But when you get out of it and you're taking those lessons with you, yes. Um, I just think that's special. It is really cool. It's yeah. really, really cool. That's the bottom line, though. That's what you want. I mean, as a coach, I mean, you don't want plays remembered 10 years down the line. You don't want that. You know, like, oh, remember we ran flex or remember we ran, yeah. I don't know, horns or something like that. Nobody's going to remember that. But what you will remember are the qualities, the life experiences, the life lessons that your coach has taught you through sports. And I think that is that's the prize. That's the reward. It's not financial. It's not, you know, uh, anything else, you know, trophies or whatever. It's all about the development of young women and empowering them to utilize their voices to the best of their ability. And the fact that NECA Agumake is, you know, the president of the Players Association for the WNBA mm -hmm. and the way that she's been able to utilize her voice and be the voice for the league, I think has been a beautiful thing to see and especially knowing the story of of Tara Vanderveer and and how she planted that seed in NECA as well yeah and Shanae I mean that Shanae had a really Shanae had a beautiful like little video she essay did. that was really sweet yeah. um no, I, it's and she's I think Tara is just like a unique figure when we get to the when you get to this level of coaching mm -hmm. um it's hard to find the people who are so openly thoughtful like I don't know like like that's it. I'm not, I'm not like trying to like say anything bad about Gino, but Gino always seems like a little bit like he's always like hiding something from, from us, you know, <laughs> uh, and Tar is just a different style. Yeah. 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 But you know, everybody, you know, if you, you, you talk about the, the personalities, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. Phil Jackson was very similar, you know, but mm -hmm. he was also extremely successful in the same way, but he had poise. Like all he did was whistle. You know what I'm saying? Like he sat down with his leg crossed. Like, I don't know how he could do that. And Tara does the same thing. I, you know, I, I just have so much energy bubbling up and, you know, I, I miss playing so much. I think that I just get caught up a lot of times and, and in the moments when the games are going on as a coach, but I think for, for everyone, you're going to have your own personality shine through when you're coaching and for her to command the respect that she has garnered over the years um, coaching the way that she has been able to coach and having the success that she's been able to have. Uh, I just think that that is, um, that is just remarkable. And, you know, Gino, he's a different guy and I love Gino and he's always been, um, oh, yeah. you know, quite the, the comedian and, but he's telling you the truth and there's a lot of truth yeah. in joke. My dad used to tell me there's a lot of truth in joke. Right. Um, but also, um, with Pat Summit, like she was fiery and everyone's talking about the the glare of her eyes and you know how passionate she was. She was very demonstrative right. with, you know, her her body language and whatnot. And that's not wrong, right? And and nor is it wrong for Tara to sit or to be poised as a coach. And neither yeah. was it wrong for uh, Phil Jackson. So everybody has their own way. Um, yeah, you gotta find your own way. I think at the end of the day, are you winning? And <laughs> and all the coaches that I just mentioned, they're winners. Well, spe speaking of winning, yeah, uh, Stanford's really good. Just like as as an aside to this whole thing, <laughs> Stanford looks incredible. Like Fran Bellini, she's dunking. She didn't yes. dunk in this one, and I think a lot. I mean, I'm glad, and I, I would have loved it, but you know, it's kind of nice to just have the moment with Tar. Um, right. But they had uh, six players in double digits, right? On against Pacific, and they're looking really good. Um, you have them at number one, right? Ah, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I moved them on up. And, you know, and it's just the balance that they display. I, I just think it's tough to match up with them. You know, they have that size inside, but they also have the speed, but they space the floor well. I think they just, I mean, every piece of the game, they have it covered uh, from what I've seen. And right now, you know, I know they were slow out of the gates in terms of games played and all that, but what we've seen so far is, is who we thought they could become this season, and, and they've shown it early. And that, and they're also dealing with um, probably the most restrictive COVID restrictions, which is a weird way to say that. But they can't play or practice in in their home gym, so right. they're kind of a, a traveling circus of a basketball team right now. <laughs> Players play. And number one team. <laughs> number one team in the country can't argue with the with the results so far. Um, I think they may. I think their next scheduled home game is Jan. Yeah, January eight. Oh, oh, this is fine. Their, for, their next schedule home game is January 8th against Oregon. Oh, so. <laughs> nice. That's going to be a doozy. I, I can't wait for that one. 
And then in between that time, they have at USC, at UCLA, at Arizona, at Arizona State. So this is gonna be a fun stretch here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad Tara got that record. So now they could she could have that she gets that feel good out of the way. <laughs> and now I'm but she's gonna get into this team now because they got they got a lot ahead of them right now. Yeah, it's Pac-12, man. I mean, I'm telling you, the last several seasons, it's been a tough league. Mm-hmm. Tough league, top to bottom. Yeah, I actually want to. I want to talk about Oregon because you were, you were someone that was that was big on Oregon yeah. at the beginning of the year, and I remember saying, "Hey, like, this is a team that has lost one of the best classes in in a recent hit uh, memory." Right. Um, and you said, "You know what? They're going to be okay. Kelly Graves going to going to get this yep. team going. They have a lot to go with." Yeah. Um, would you like to take a short victory lap here because they beat Oregon State by 20 yes. and they have one of the best offenses in the country. So go ahead and take your victory lap and tell us why they're so good. Yeah, let me. it will be a short victory lap because I don't want my hamstring to tighten up on me. So yeah, I'm just taking a little small little lap right here. But guess what? Oregon is for real. And yes, they did lose three of their cornerstones and uh, to the WNBA last year, not just to graduation, I'm air quoting, not just graduation, you know, they were in the top five in the, in the WNBA draft and um, did well at that level, obviously. But with what Kelly Graves has been able to do with this group, who he says is probably the best shooting team that he has ever coached. That's impressive. And the thing about it, when you know, you obviously had Sabrina Unescu, you obviously had Ruthie Hubbard, you obviously had Satu Sabli, right? And they're all gone to the WNBA and everyone's looking at Oregon like, well, they're in a rebuild. Um, actually, no, right? Kelly Graves has a system in place that works. And if you can score the ball like they've been able to score the ball this year, Gabe, that's a scary, scary outlook if you have to meet a team like Oregon because first of all they have five players averaging in double figures first of all they have 10 players who are rotating in and out of the game so they have incredible depth there's no drop off and they're hitting buckets like they're scoring and good luck trying to disrupt that because you take one out you're gonna you know run into three more (laughs) and you have to stop them too or you're gonna have a, a problem in the boat you know I always say you got holes in the boat you know, usually, okay, you had three holes in the boat last year. Now you have 10. And so good, <laughs> good luck trying to slow a team like Oregon down offensively, I think, you know. And, and that's no slight to the three fantastic players who, who went on to the WNBA that yeah. we mentioned. But, man, they have, they have some firepower this year. They're, so eighth, they're eighth this season, right? Right now? This week? Uh, yeah, I think they're eighth. They should go up. Um, they should go up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I've had I've said my piece on rankings so far this season, <laughs> yeah, but have. I think I think they should go up. They're they're tied for seventh. Seventh, okay. Uh, right now, yeah, they're right there. Okay. So they 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 I think they deserve uh, some credit to go up. Uh, yeah. Right now they're scoring on a per one hundred possessions basis, hundred and twenty three point one points per one hundred possessions. Dude. Second best of the country. Yeah, and tenth last best year. defense per one per one hundred possessions. Yeah, and, and and last year offensively, right? Weren't they around the same? It was like they the were, same they last were, year. It's point four off. <laughs> and the thing, come on, man! The, wow. The thing that's crazy about this team is, so they looked so well oiled, like a well oiled yeah. machine offense. And to me, the thing that I remember saying in our in our podcast was, well, I get, I'm guessing it's going to take some time for them to get together right because there's not much not a lot of practice you know they they need some time to get the speed so and and this is what coach graves is uh yeah what coach graves is saying too we're gonna get better this team's gonna get better the starting point guard is a freshman tiana palpa is a freshman yeah like taylor mike just got there yeah like what i i don't for them to be this good this early in the Mm -hmm. season because i figured you know hey when come tournament time they're going to be a problem. Right. No, no. They're a problem now. They are. And that that is terrifying and it yep. just every the whole offense makes sense. They're they're bombing threes. I mean, it, Taylor Mikesell is literally the best shooter in the country right now. She's shooting 60% from 3. Shooting 7% from 2. Ah, from 3. How's that possible? Wow. Because you know why? 
because she has four other players on the floor that are shooting just as well. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, and that's no slight to, to Taylor Mikesell. I mean, I saw her, you know, for a couple of seasons at Maryland. So yes, definitely a capable scorer, but it was tougher for her when they could specialize and take that three point shot away from mm -hmm. her, um, especially her sophomore season at Maryland. So I think just now, you know, it's almost Golden State Warrior-like in terms of floor being spread, ability for several players to knock down threes, not just two players, but five, like legitimately. Four or five players on the floor at a time can knock in threes for Oregon. And when you are stretched like that defensively, your help side is, is not present, you know, so that you can take a hard dive cut because they're going to be playing you for the three. Mm -hmm. Now you've opened up the lane. So they're just, you know – so many different issues that they can create with their skill sets on the floor. And I think for, for Mike Sell, I mean, I think it's just, you know, the floor has opened up for her because of everyone else who she's playing with has the yeah. same skill set in terms of their range from three. And they could do it because Oregon State try to try to zone for a little bit. Yeah. And that didn't work. I, no, I think the I only say, way you're <laughs> the only way you're gonna beat this team is well, first off, they can't be shoot. They can't be shooting as well as they are shooting right now. If they are shooting this way for the rest of the season, they will win the title. I have no problem saying that. Mm. Obviously, this is a lot. I mean, if it comes down a little bit, I think other teams have a chance. But um, you know, they could just beat you in so many ways. Like Sedona Prince gets inside, gets to gets to the free throw line, gets to um, those wing spots, the right. elbow spots, right. and she could pass out or, or hit the shot. You have Tiana Papa who could get who could break paint and then kick out or get to the rim. So it's like the only way you're going to beat this team is by hoping that they miss some shots, right? And by Ding them up. You have to be good enough to D them up one on one because if not, it's over. Like you're you're not going to be able to scheme your way out of how good this team is right. offensively. No, and that's the thing. That's that's the beauty of the balance that mm -hmm. Kelly Graves has with this team, and and the fact that he has said now he's had some great players at Gonzaga and here mm -hmm. at Oregon. But for him to say, this is probably the best shooting team that I've ever coached. When coaches say that, I mean, I don't take that lightly because, mm -hmm. and he's just not, he's not trying to stroke their ego and say, hey, you guys can shoot the ball. He would not say that if it weren't true. So, I mean, that's giving a ton of respect for the work ethic of these players that he has on the roster. And, you know, for him to say that is, is pretty scary moving forward, especially yeah. into conference play in the Pac-12 and that Stanford game now that I have circled um, in red ink on the 8th of mm -hmm. January. I'm going to be watching that nose to the screen. I mean, it's, it's just going to be fun to see what Tara Vanderveer does schematically against mm -hmm. a team like Oregon and, and how everyone else can kind of learn from that because, yeah. you know, she's going to try to fine tooth comb away to slow him down. I know. It's the thing is their defense is really good too. Like right. they're, they're really, they're really good. Just both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, the top right now, I, obviously their, their competition has not been quite as strong yet. The Oregon state's a good team. Um, that's the first team they played, but that that's, that's kind of in that, this, uh, you know, upper echelon of college basketball. But I mean, on a points per play basis, they're giving up 0.61 points per game. That's eighth best in the country. Wow. The defensive rebounding rate is in the top 25. They're 17th in steel rate. Um, all of these stats are on herhoopstats.com. Love it. You guys should, you guys should get it's it's a good Christmas gift. Yeah. Um, but the the defense, the offense, the depth, like there's a there's I think I'm counting them up right now. Seems to be like ten or twelve players playing over ten minutes a game. That's crazy. Um, and it's it, kind of a product of the blowouts. But guess what? All that rest kind of snowballs, and then you're going to be fresher as the season goes on. So yeah. Oregon. I'm going to tell you, I had them, what did I have them at? Three early on the first, the first uh, preseason. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I think it was, uh, I remember cause everyone was like, wow, that's really high for them. And I'm like, no, it's not <laughs> <laughs> the same way people thought of the mystics were too high and they won their first three games of the season. Everybody's like, Oh, okay. I guess, you know, oh, they, the they don't let me go back and see your oh, you specific. I think for sure I had them. There. I think it was a, yeah, you're, you're, they were up there. They're up there in the top five. Yeah. And, and I'm still, you know, and I know things have changed, you know, the season is, is rolling along here last several weeks, but you know, I still, you know, you have to keep your eye in the rear view mirror. You know, if you're, if you're ranked ahead of them at this point, 
Like you cannot count them out. You cannot think that they're not coming for you. They're coming mm -hmm. for you and you have to be prepared to play some lockdown right. defense and be disruptive. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And they got the chip on their shoulder because they, yes. they, everyone said, everyone wrote them off. No, I mean, not wrote them off completely. They're still ranked in the top 10, but right. You, no. these, these are the type of teams, the types of coaches that are going to find anything that they can get to, to motivate their yep. team. And I'm sure uh, this team is motivated um, with the, and the pack, the pack 12 looks like, maybe the best conference in the country right now. I mean, UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and Stanford are all in the top 11. Right. And I'm seeing, I think, I mean, the big, yeah, that's the most in that, in that range there. Yeah. In that range, but there's overall, you know, I know there, there are a bunch of big 10 teams in a log jam mm -hmm. in that second half of the top 20. Um, and so that's going to be interesting as league play gets underway. Um, I know Ohio State is on a pause right now for COVID issues, but, you know, everyone else is kind of rolling along and competing. So it'll just be interesting to see how, how things shake out in the Big Ten as well. And overall, nationally, I mean, with all those teams, I think it's Maryland, Indiana, Northwestern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who am I missing? Michigan, uh, Michigan, top 25? Michigan. Michigan's yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, all kind of clumped in that second, um, that second 10, you know, yeah. in, in the country. So it's going to be fun to, to watch that. And Rutgers is really good too. Yeah. That Rutgers Maryland game was awesome the other day. I, I want to, I, I, I need to find a way to watch the entire thing so I can like make video clips of it. Um, oh, but, yeah. I don't have the, the, don't have the big 10, the big 10 plus whatever. Oh yeah. Um, I was able to sneak around it for the live game, but I haven't been able to find the replay yet. But yeah. um, the Maryland, the Maryland Rutgers game was good, and Rutgers is real good. I mean, they're probably not; they're probably a step away from the teams we're talking about. But mm. you know, great coach right there too. Oh yeah, see Vivian Stringer in her fiftieth season, and you know, Takia Mack did get injured in that game. She had a, a separated left mm -hmm. shoulder, so she's kind of like the heart and okay. soul and emotional fire yeah. power leader, but. Um, I don't know how long that takes. I don't know if she'll need surgery or anything like that, but um, I believe in that game she had to be um, she was out ushered off. Her. Like they they yeah. took her off on a stretcher and everything. It looked pretty scary. Um, but I hope she's okay and, and, you know, can make it back for at least the second half of the conference season because they're going to need her, you know, senior leadership, one of the captains. And as I said, you know, she's like the one who's always firing everybody else up. And now they need to fire her up and keep her – keep her spirits up yeah hopefully she can come back because i think that rutgers team can make some noise and yeah it's it's going to be interesting in all these conferences um with with so i just think a lot of them are very deep mm -hmm. um and we're gonna see we're gonna see who is the most <laughs> the, the deepest come, right. <laughs> come uh probably like february right yeah um but I did want to go to a conference that maybe isn't as strong, no shade to the rest of the teams in the Big East, but UConn is uh, clearly at the top of that list. Yeah, oh my gosh. And they were on a pause and, you know, we were all uh, rubbing our hands together, you know, mm -hmm. for their first game. Uh, and then they were paused for a couple of weeks, but wow, their last couple of games. Paige mm -hmm. Beckers, man, I'm telling you, she is legit coming off of a 25-point game. But she just plays the game with – such a level of poise and confidence it doesn't matter who they're playing like she is bringing it to the floor mm -hmm. and she has just looked great you know and we've all been waiting for her you know to uh to hit the floor in a yukon uniform so so there she is folks she's she's real real time 25 points five assists four rebounds yeah. two steals casual Pat. casual second game in college against a conference opponent Pat. um all put see all put up a, good, a really good fight uh they were within yeah. six in the third quarter lauren park lane shouts out to her she had 29 points on uh on nine of 20 shooting with six assists so that's a really good night for her came up short uh against right. uconn but um man it, the thing that about uconn that really impresses me is how how many ways they can beat you um mm -hmm. i think i talked about this with oregon on the on the offense side but i think UConn even has more looks that they yeah. can throw out at you because they have so much size. They have they have great depth, depth yep. and they just have every everyone knows it's in lockstep. Um, it's one of these teams that already has so much feel for the game with each other. Beckers was the only one who's really 
you know, coming in to as a as a as a different player here, but she kind of fits right into what they're doing, and they can kind of let her freelance at the same time too. Right. So I mean. I just re- I love their size. Um, I love Kristen Williams. She's such a leader. Yeah. Living Nelson, the Dota, and Aaliyah Edwards, the muscle on this team. Yeah, I, they they have so Legit. many different ways to beat you, and they yeah. they got big games coming up too. Mm-hmm. Um, that hopefully happen. I know. Have to that's, say I know. <laughs> I hate to say we have to. You have to. You have to say yeah. like hopefully they go. You know, like oof. And we're getting close to it Rough. though. So no, uh, January seventh at Baylor. Um, then they go at Tennessee on January 21st, if that happens, and right. uh, February 8th against South Carolina. Going to be an yeah, awesome game. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. All of that, if it happens. <laughs> I know. Which hopefully it does. I know. Hopefully no, it does. We're just going to leave it out there as if it's happening. Like, we don't want anything in the app. Power of positive thinking. Like, yeah. Man, yeah, uh, I want to see those. Those are going to be so great. Epic yeah. competition. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think I think they're um, they're UConn. I mean, well, I, it's year in year out with them. They're the same uh, sort of, sort of elite team, um, and we'll see we'll see what happens when they get to the rest of the Big East schedule. Because there are, there are good teams in the Big East. DePaul's yeah. good. Yeah, DePaul's playing in like an hour. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, this afternoon. Oh, yeah, they're good. playing Kentucky. That'd oh, that'll be good. Yeah, uh, you know, these games just pop up, you know what I'm saying? Because they, you yeah. know, so many games have been canceled. Can you play on Wednesday? Yeah. What time? I don't care. Two, three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. Like, let's do it. And then these games are just random, you know? I mean, yeah. Well, this week too, on Monday, uh, I was doing, I was doing an episode of Locked On with Amy Audibert, who we both went to Miami. Yeah. So we're always keeping an eye on Miami. Sure. And we knew, we knew Duke and Louisville got, so Louisville had a positive test which not which meant they had to go on a pause right uh duke played louisville so they had to be contact trace so they had to go on a pause while miami was supposed to play duke unc was supposed to play louisville then all of a sudden like minutes before we do the locked on podcast on monday (laughs) there's like game scheduled for unc in miami at like two o'clock and uh it it was weird and you know i feel i feel for these coaches right because yeah prep it's a very different thing to prepare oh, for louisville yeah. than to prepare for miami yeah and not just because louisville is better than miami um but also because miami just play it has has this you know a weird defensive system right they like to they like to get in your space they like to play a little differently than most teams do because it's katie meyer coach team um and you know unfortunately so for goes. unc <laughs> they weren't that prepared for it and, and they lost. And, you know, Destiny Hartman, Miami, she looked great. Um, hope, I, I, ho- I hope we don't have any more That's COVID crazy, issues. Man. But, hey, that worked out for Katie it, Byer. It did. It did. She's like, okay. All right. Yeah. I love Katie. I, I love her I know. so much. But she, she's a sweetheart. But I, I think, you know, with, with the way things are going and, the, and just the flexibility of administration as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we were supposed to play this game, but, hey, can we flip and do this? And, you know, they're getting a lot of yeses. You know, to be able to get these games um, in safely. And, uh, you know, if you can just flip it like that, everybody has a free day on that particular day. I mean, you've got to cram your scout and and get that done if you're, you know, head coaches and assistant coaches and players, you know, because the players have to execute it. So it's one thing for the coaches to understand, like, this is what they like to do. But it's another thing for the players to be fully locked into the game plan that was created hours prior to the game i mean it's you know it's asking so much of everyone i mean you don't just show up like if i if i were out um going to the basketball court to play pickup that's one thing because you're just playing free and like there's no real game plan it's not like okay we're gonna switch defenses every other time we're doing a b or c no there, there's Unless not you're playing with me, because I do do that. You do we that? Have a, we, uh, Ava, I don't know if we, I, I, I I'm always like, guys, you have to switch everything. <laughs> I don't know if we could do. I don't know if we could play that, because I would be like, hey, listen, we're just going, we're just going D up. Okay, anyway. See, but- <laughs> see, Chrissy, here's the difference. You're good at basketball. I'm not. So like, I'm like, all right, what's my value? My value is telling people how we can do this. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, was, I got you off your point about no, how hard no, it is it's, to, it's, uh, no, to switch up when you're a player. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm good. But it's just, you know, you just have that, you know, it's not a free for all. It's not like, okay, we're switching opponents and we're going to play at three o'clock. 
no, there's like so much planning. Like people don't see that, you know, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like what about the, the broadcasters on that game? Like they're prepared for other teams to be playing. So yes. it's not like they just pop the headsets on and chit chat about the game. Like there's study time ahead of these games for, uh, for everyone involved. It's not just show up and play, even though it, it may be what it looks like to people like, Oh, they just switched the game. So let me turn it on and watch it. And mm -hmm. la di da, and we're just going to watch the game. No, think about the underbelly and the planning and the, the prep and, and all of what you have to do to get yourselves ready for those contests in, in every way. You know, the, the proper COVID protocol, getting the game going too. Like, do we have people um, staffed for testing? Do we have, I mean, every little thing, all the boxes need to be checked. And it's not just some random fly by night. Oh, I feel like I'm going to play. Let me go down the street and just roll out there and play. No, it's not the same thing. So I hope people respect what's happening right now. And, and you know, it, and it's not easy, but they're trying to do it in the best way possible for um, safety and, and, and mental health. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's good to be around your teammates. It's good to cheer when your teammate gets an and one, like all the good mm -hmm. adrenaline that comes from team sports. I mean, I, you know, I, I just want it to be done in a safe way and that's what they're doing. You know, that's why those, yeah. those two teams had to go on a pause and the other two teams were clear to play. So they play. So, you know, there's always a way to get it done. You know, I'm pretty determined with that notion in, in everything that I do. And, and some people might find that to be difficult, but it is what it is. I mean, there's always a way to get things done. And, you know, everyone's working so hard and, and so diligent under the protocol rules uh, uh, with COVID and all that to get things done in the right way. It's, it, it is just hard, too, because, like, I, I can't even think of, like, what team is more successful in this situation, right? Like, I feel like Katie Meyer she has more of a set system on both ends. And like, she always, the thing about Katie Meyer team is like, there's always defensive buy-in. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're, if you're a coach like, you know, Katie Meyer who, who builds on, on that side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, like you may be more well-equipped for something like this, but yeah. it's hard to tell. And not, not, not to take away from like Courtney Banghar's schemes or defensive system. It's just, you know, I've seen, I've watched Katie Meyer coach teams right. my entire life as a Miami Hurricanes fan they play the same way right forever it's been the same thing forever and it works and i think when you have something like that that's that's more beneficial so um yeah it's, it's interesting it's it is an interesting thing it it does suck i mean yeah. obviously <laughs> it sucks because for everyone involved like we want miami wanted to play duke we wanted to get our first look at carol lawson right unc i'm sure had that had their all their hopes up to play the number two team in the country and it didn't happen right um so i feel i feel for the team i feel for the coaches i feel for the players um and you know i really i really hope everything's safe yeah. and sound that's the bottom um, line man i mean that that's where we're all trying to do and you know i i hope i hope it's all going safely and it, it's not going great right now but hopefully it gets better <laughs> you know that's all you can say yeah. um at this point but it is it is interesting who's going to succeed in these situations. True. Um, and it's not necessarily like who is the better coach or who's the better team. It's mm -hmm. who is suited for this. It's kind of – if you watch the NBA bubble, I think you had a similar thing. Yes. And, and of course, I get to bring back the Miami Heat. <laughs> uh, Miami Heat perfectly suited for that situation. I think they were – I think they're a great team. Yeah. Obviously, they're my team. Um, right. But – they are also a team that is really well suited for that particular situation. I think you're going to see the same thing in college basketball this season. Like who is suited to just kind of say, Hey, we're going to lace them up. And we're going to do the same thing we do every single game. And if you could do that, well, Hey, then, then you don't have to worry about who the hell you're playing. It doesn't matter. But if you're a team that kind of likes to scheme a little bit more or has a, has a more emotional edge, mm -hmm. it might be a little harder for you in the regular season. Yeah. And I think, you know, the teams that have, the most returning players, you know, with the most experience, yeah. the junior senior aspect of it all. I think that is something that is a bonus as well um, for the coaches and the players. You know, they have a system in place. They understand what is expected. Mm -hmm. And the teams that have a lot of new pieces or are younger, you know, it's a little more difficult because, I mean, if you go on pause for two weeks, it's like it's one step forward and three or four steps back when it comes to putting those bricks on top of bricks when it comes to the learning process of, of what's expected. So I just think the teams with more uh, experience, more returning players on board, I think that just bodes well for them. And, you know, you've kind of seen that come to fruition also with a lot of teams.
and conditioning too. Like that's one thing that I, I think, I, and you, you brought it up, um, I forget who we were talking about. Someone, oh, South Carolina. South Carolina was not shooting their free throws. Mm-hmm. And they're still not doing great. But you were, ta- you were talking about that as a conditioning issue. And I, I've been thinking about that a lot, just what teams are going to be in condition. And if you have to take yeah. a two-week pause, yeah. well, what, in what kind of shape are you coming back in? What, kind of, what, do you, mm-hmm. what can you do in that situation to make sure your team is being well-conditioned? And I, I was talking to some William & Mary players in the offseason about that. And about how they were, they had a really strong workout program when they went on pause after the initial in in like uh, in the summer to make sure that they were in shape and they feel like they were in shape coming back into the season. Right. Um, so I just wonder how how teams are dealing with that when you go on a pause and then you say, okay, how what kind of how are we going to stay in condition here? Yeah, and that's that's the hard thing. I mean, you know, we have snow today, so our team can't practice. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer because we just started last week. So, I mean, one day, hopefully it's not two days, but, um, you know, one day of, of missing out on being in the gym in all ways is tough for me, you know, as mm-hmm. a coach. So I know, you know, physically as a, as a player, you want to keep moving. Like you want to continue to gain that cardio and that, that, um, that stamina, you know, you don't want to fall back in any kind of way. So, you know, we're going to try to do a zoom and and go over some plays on the whiteboard or something like that, just to at least stay mentally nimble and um, focused on, on what is expected. But I I just think it's, it's so hard. And, you know, we've, for us never to have gone through anything like this before, I think is also, you know, there's no roadmap and we're kind of all out here. And I told them, I told the girls that I said, you know, we're all in this together. Like we're all out here just trying to maintain and do everything safely. And, you know, we're not, you know, if you, you know, I know you're rusty or whatever, we're not on you for making errors or having, you know, bad reads or, or whatever like that. It's like, it's a process. That's how you get better. It's just the, the learning is, is different right now. And the expectations I think, you know, are a little bit different right now because we know and we understand what everyone is kind of going through. And, and it's frustrating as a coach, because I want to move things along and I'm like, we can't go from A to Z, you know? Yeah. And normally we'd be, probably at Y right now in terms of having everything in and we just are not we're probably at B and it's frustrating (laughs) it's super frustrating because we play our first games next week so I I get it you know as a coach and you just try to do your best for the kids and you know what they need Um, but right now it's just a a process on on how to give them what they need uh, in order for them to use it properly and and to understand Mm -hmm. it and not just to say well we got this in but do they understand it and I think that's where I am and I know you know a lot of college coaches have the same sentiment at the beginning like we didn't have any scrimmages like our first two games are going to be treated like exhibition games in terms of rotations we just need to see what works what looks right and and you know what matchups we have and all of that like you don't have any experimentation time and mm-hmm. that's tough not to have a scrimmage and just to go head on into games that's that's yeah. rough I mean that's mental conditioning that is mental conditioning no doubt and you know, you have to be ready, ready for it or you're not like, it's just, and if you're not, then you learn. And it's like, you know, you just have to learn to adapt and, and keep it pushing, you know, and just take something great out of every opportunity that you have on the court. Yeah. And no, that's another thing. Like a, yeah. a lot, a lot. I mean, you're, you're spending more time on our own mm-hmm. um, than we have before. Yeah. And I think when you do that, especially as a basketball player when, I mean, obviously there's much better basketball players than me, but like you just start kicking in your head more. Even as like a, as a writer, like, you know, I'm just by myself all day. So it's like, I'm in my head more. And I'm thinking, well, Hey, that sounds stupid. And it's like, no, that sounds fine. Like you just, you got to roll with it. It's the same thing when you're on your court. It's like, Oh, I just made a really bad turnover. Like I must stop doing that. It's like, no, no, you got to keep doing it. And then you'll eventually get better. Exactly. It's all process. physical mental conditioning this year are just gonna is crucial and i hope um i hope we see you know a team like louisville come back and and look the same yeah and they have a lot of senior leaders yeah they do and you know it will just i I think that'll um help them out but you you just kind of hope and and say hey i hope that same louisville team comes back um to being the sort of dominant team that they were before yeah before this break yeah yeah no doubt i i just think you know a lot of stories are going to be told um, from how the games unfold in conference play now through January. 
I mean, then we'll truly see what it, what it's all about, you know, as we get into conference play with so many great conferences and, and great teams. So we'll see what it looks like. Oh my gosh. And every week, Gabe, it gets better and better in terms of the stories that we're able to mm-hmm. chat about and discuss. And congrats again to Tara Vanderveer. And I know you're all over Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, at Gabe underscore Ibrahim. Ha ha. Oh, and I also have a story. Sorry, I did want to plug it. I forgot about the story. Uh, I, pl- I want to plug my story that's on the Her Hoop Stats newsletter, which is herhoopstats.substack.com. Um, I talked about the draft um, process, how the free year is affecting how WNBA teams are preparing for the draft and, you know, they're, they're widening the pool and how they're using analytics and just kind of challenges that go into um, this draft process because it's mm-hmm. unlike any other because at least you know last season you kind of had a normal draft process different draft this year we're having a very very different draft process so yeah uh, check that out it was it was fun to write yeah was- even though i was in my head about it like i just told you guys <laughs> but it's it's fine it's fine uh, i'm sure it's awesome i'm definitely gonna it's retweet great, it yes. so you guys can find it there too and we're gonna push that out there because it's a great read as always gabe and mm-hmm. for me my my twitter and instagram is christy w scott 51 and yeah i'm all over twitter pushing out a lot of hoop stuff and just having a blast with that interacting with everybody who is also in love with the game so it's so much fun um sitting courtside with you my friend always courtside with christy and gabe concludes this edition but you guys need to go ahead on the her hoop stats podcast network and subscribe and we will see you down the road next week to chat courtside with the game that we love, some hoops, all hoops, all the time, courtside with Gabe and Christy. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.